0: Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia, focusing on pharmacy management and ownership. The PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way.
1: In 2023, once again, pharmacists were on the front line continuing their amazing commitment and efforts in supporting and caring for their patients and the wider Australian population. As always, community pharmacies have continued to show that they are ready, able and willing to provide vaccinations and health services to all Australians, as well as to continue to provide expert medication advice and management. And once again, in 2023, we had the absolute pleasure of welcoming Some fantastic guests onto this show who shared some amazing stories, experiences, challenges, insights, and advice for us all. It speaks volumes for the pharmacy community, whether it was pharmacists themselves finding some time to come on the show because we all know how busy they are, or whether it was those that support pharmacies coming on the show to share and help the pharmacies because they want to support the industry themselves. As regular listeners will know, each show kicks off with a short snippet from a guest as a little bit of an interesting part of the conversation to look forward to. Once again, we've gone back through all of the episodes from 2023 and pulled out the full question and full answer for you and put them together into some more best bits of episodes. So we've already had one episode looking back at the best bits of 2023, and so this is our second and rounding it all up. So let's start with episode 127 where Stephen Mason, Director of Patient Engagement at Australian Patients Association, joined us to discuss the results of the recent Australian Healthcare Index and what patients think of Australian healthcare. We know from the survey that Australians' rating of our healthcare system, it continues to decline. How concerned are you about this? And do you think our politicians are are listening to what patients are saying and, and paying attention to what they're doing?
2: I do think uh, politicians are listening. We get uh, calls from the Prime Minister's office, the Department of Health, and they're noting that. uh, This is the Australian public's assessment, the healthcare system, really prior to the pandemic. Uh, How's our hospitals and our healthcare system uh, coping, the emergency departments, the ambulance system and there's been a steady decline over the last three years. It wouldn't be surprising. The waiting list for electric surgery is blown out. The waiting times for ambulances blowing blown out. The waiting times in emergency departments all around Australia is blown out. So it's really concerning. Workforce shortages are a big issue, but there's a lot of uh, uh, issues uh, involved, and unfortunately, uh, there's no easy fixes but uh, uh, reversing the trend in bulk billing is a good start Uh, but uh, yeah there are some concerning trends.
1: We took a look at enhancing the patient experience through social media with Sarah Rendell from Peak Strategies in episode 128. They would be coming and asking you questions about social media because for a lot of businesses and including pharmacies, they've probably been told, you have to be on social media. But although it's something everyone knows that they're probably supposed to do, it isn't always clear why they should be on social media. What are the goals and the outcomes they're looking for? Pharmacies, they're also a business, but pharmacists you know, they studied pharmacy and, and probably not the ins and outs of digital marketing while they're at university. So it'd be great if you could help clarify some of the whys a pharmacy should be on social media and have a presence.
0: The why is so important. And I cannot stress to any pharmacists that are listening to this podcast that if you do not understand the why you should be on social media, I would say just stop and have a rethink before you start implementing and that is because the why is is in control of everything that you do on your social media, from the content, what channels, so whether you're on Instagram, TikTok or Facebook. and um, Pretty much the why is about creating patient experience. We can no longer rely on putting um, putting the open sign-up and expecting traffic to come in to your pharmacies. We are a highly competitive um industry and therefore we need to create patient experience so people learn to learn about your brand begin to engage with your team build relationships which pretty much trickles down to create foot traffic into your store. So, social media is all about patient experience. So, it needs to be the exact exact replication of what they would experience if they were to come in store as a patient and engage your services. So, that is what you need to do with social media. It's not always posting a funny meme or a funny cat video. It is about how you can showcase your brand and what a patient can experience when working with you when it comes to their health.
1: In episode 129, we heard about empowering pharmacy success by navigating underperformance using the situational leadership model with Simon Fletcher from Leading Teams. You've been working with the Guild for a long time to help them develop their teams and ultimately drive high performance. So it'd be great for us if you could set the scene a little. What have you helped the Guild do? And why ultimately do you think that the work that they undertake shows alignment with their values?
3: It's been a. A, a relatively long journey we've been going for nearly six years now i think all up and i guess the the catalyst col Maguire, who's the coo at the guild has had a really long-standing relationship with leading teams we worked with him in his past role at touch football australia so i started initially working with his team and basically i guess our, our work and our model is is geared around Communicating, having real clarity of expectation as a team, and and so I guess the the journey with with the guild started in exactly that. Like Cole recognised that he wanted his leaders to really start to step up and take take ownership and responsibility of how their teams functioned, and then the the step beyond that was to start to really engage the team in that process. And so now, over the last few years, I've been working with uh, basically with the whole national secretariat. Working with, uh, we're doing whole of team sessions and and also departmental sessions and and as I said, it's basically uh, creating time and space for the for the team to review their performance and and it's one of the things that I do a lot of work in elite sport as well and it's probably the main difference I think between the the sporting world and the and the corporate world is review is critical in sport. They go out and they perform on the weekend. So I've been working with the Brisbane Lions now for six years as well. And so the Brisbane Lions go out and play a game of footy on the weekend. The Sunday, the coaches do a big review of the game. Then the Monday is a review with the playing group. And then from that review, they take in their learnings from the weekend prior and they train those during the week. One of the challenges with the corporate world is they don't play a game and they don't get to train, they're always in the in the game. And so we have a, a, the continuous improvement cycle that we talk about is learn, commit, do, review. And so if you haven't got time, or you don't create the time, or you don't prioritize the time to do those reviews, then you miss out on the learning and the action and, and the growth that comes from that. And so I guess, in essence, that's what we've been able to do is we've been able to create time and space for the for the teams and the and the organization to really review its performance and then everyone in the team gets to play a role in the actions that come out of that and the other thing that's that we find is is the the importance of relationships in teams and again because you spend so much time doing tasks and and the roles and and you know ticking off your roles and responsibilities every day we just don't have that time to really invest in the relationships and the the relationships is are what enable us to have you know really productive, effective, efficient communication.
1: Understanding arthritis was the focus of episode one hundred and thirty and we were guided and educated by Alton O'Dwyer from Arthritis Queensland. Like most conditions, it's still a learning process, we don't know everything, that there's still new things being tried. Are there any new or emerging treatments for arthritis that you know of? and, If so, how do you think these might change the role of pharmacists in helping people in their community manage this condition?
4: As I mentioned earlier, our vision is freedom from arthritis. It's a very lofty goal, and what we mean by that is to hopefully one day find a cure. And There's some amazing work being done, so we do fund some uh, research, for example, with Professor Rangini-Thomas, who's doing some really advanced work in finding a cure for rheumatoid arthritis. So there has been a lot of significant advancements in in arthritis treatments. Uh, particularly the development of targeted therapies and biologics. Uh, And these treatments have shown promising results in managing inflammation and slowing disease progression in various types of arthritis. And so as treatments emerge, the role of pharmacists becomes even more important in managing arthritis for people in the community. Pharmacists play a really important role in educating patients about these new therapies, including potential side effects and drug interactions. They can help monitor medication adherence identify any adverse reactions and collaborate with other healthcare providers to make sure that comprehensive arthritis care. So pharmacists are well positioned to offer personalized support, guide patients in self-management techniques and address any concerns or questions related to their arthritis treatment.
1: In episode 131 we return to a panel of Australian and international pharmacists some of whom are trained as prescribing pharmacists who spoke at the APP conference in March in 2023. This panel session took a deep dive into the experiences of prescribing pharmacists in the UK, discussing how pharmacists need to prepare, how new programs will actually be rolled out and how full scope will assist patients. As such, there is no specific highlight from this episode. So let's skip to episode 132, which is always a really popular episode each year. And that's when we catch up with the winner of the Pharmacy Assistant of the Year, in 2023, the award went to the very deserving Colby Deke from Craignish Pharmacy in Queensland. Just one nomination can make a huge difference to someone. What do you think that more people should maybe take a moment and actually nominate some of the many wonderful pharmacy assistants that are out there today?
5: Nominating a pharmacy assistant, I mean, it seems like a, a pretty easy little thing for an employer to do or, or a colleague to do just go online, enter it in, but spend the time putting the effort in as to why you're nominating them. And because when they get that response to say, you've made it as a finalist or you've made it as a state finalist, to read that and read that someone else has seen that in you or, you know, knows that about you and respects that about you, that's, that's what is going to kick your button to overdrive and go, right, I can do this. I know I'm good at this. Okay, someone else has seen it. I can do this because we're not more, we're not just pharmacy assistants, we're way more. So more and more people should nominate for pharmacy assistants. And I think, you know, personally, in you know, just in my experience, after 20 years, it's taken me this long to get here. I don't know, maybe a little bit more recognition for pharmacy assistants. I mean, pharmacy, Patty, is incredible the way that they do it. It is absolutely incredible. But so many people don't know about it. And you know, I'd really like it for people to know more about it and know more about what their pharmacy assistants actually do. And maybe, you know, even some of my, my customers were like, why, why couldn't we nominate you? Why couldn't we vote? You know, they didn't know anything about it. And could you imagine, you know, next year's finalists getting nominated by Mrs. Smith down the road who said, she helped me with this and I feel so much better and, you know, she's changed my life. That would be incredible for someone else to read. Like, it would, Yeah. I think, just a little bit more advertising, I guess, or promotion.
1: In episode 133, Kylie Hancock and Shane Dealing shed light on an invaluable resource that's often underutilised but can make a world of difference in the lives of not only pharmacy staff but also their close family, the TELUS Health Employee Assistance Program. Something that's quite common is that people, they might be hesitant to call a professional to speak with, maybe for a wide range of reasons. It might be that they're worried that their issue doesn't really fall within the spectrum of, of things that EAP can help with, or it might be that f- they feel their issue isn't serious enough, or they have anxiety at the moment, but when I get to speak to somebody, I won't have anxiety, so it comes and goes, and I'll be able to manage it, or they, they may just feel as though they're just wasting someone's time, maybe taking up a slot. What are some of the things that a user can actually talk about and get support with?
6: First of all, there's no issue that's too little or too small that could be discussed and talked about in an EAP setting. I always, when I'm working with clients or, or giving sort of discuss or having discussions like this, I always tell people the best time to do something is when you have the insight that this may become a problem. And they they're sort of the things that you're alluding to there, Daniel, the people thinking well this might be an issue but then it may not be an issue when I get there that is the best time to go and learn some coping skills work through some of those cognitive behavioral modules that Kylie mentioned just before and take a really proactive approach uh, towards the mental health so that's that's the first part the point that I would like to make however some of the common things that people present with are like common mental health problems such as anxiety depression stress mood disorders also relationship issues Issues as well. Life transitions. We live in a very uncertain economical environment at the moment and people are challenged by the cost of living. So, people will, be coming, will, will be, can come to EAP for, uh, for, for uh, financial advice um, and I'll talk to some of those other programs in a second actually. Also, grief and loss is some of the things that people may present with self-esteem, self-confidence, behavioural concerns. Also personal growth. People just may want to have a conversation around how do I get to this next step in my career? Um, Even though people may think this does not fit within to an EAP bracket, it does because you're looking at how do I improve my, my well-being through my career outcome. So we can discuss and work with people on things like that as well. Also parenting and family issues is a common thing that people come to EAP for as well. Um, work and career issues, coping and stress. Also, um, as I mentioned uh, briefly before, through the EAP program, we have access to manager consults as well. So this is a specific program that I manage that um, our clinicians that also have HR and management experience only undertake this service. And that's targeted for specific, specifically for managers to help them deal with some of the difficult conversations that they may be having with employees. It could be, for example, that they have an employee that is presenting with a mental health issue, but they're also p- performing really poorly. So where does that boundary sit around um, how do I performance manage this person while simultaneously ensuring that I'm not doing anything that really triggers their mental health uh, issues. This is a really delicate balance. So, our clinicians can work with managers and help them through that and navigate that area. The other things that people can access EAP for is for legal and financial advice and then also nutritional services as well. So, I guess probably the key thing to remember in my view is that All of the clinicians that tell us are trained to provide a safe and non-judgmental space for uh, your your employees to discuss their concerns and help them develop strategies to move forward in whatever it is that they're presenting with.
1: In episode 134, we took a look at compounding, where innovation meets patient-centred care with Jack Hammond, proprietor and compounding pharmacist at AC Farm, Gold Coast, Queensland Branch. As you said before, you've had a long career in the industry. And so I would imagine you've had lots of experiences where compounding has played a huge part in a patient's health or or their quality of life. Do you have any memorable cases or experiences you can share with us? I've come
7: across a patient's husband that's actually called me. She was on hormone replacement. And the patient's husband actually called me to say, Thank you so much. You've actually saved my marriage because. She, he said that, that she was, during menopause, it was just crazy times. And as soon as she started taking this medication, she was a changed person, he said. So, I mean, that, that's a good experience for both me and him and her. Uh, as well, I've had interactions with, when it comes to the veterinary type side of things as well. SeaWorld approached me because they had some manta rays that were getting very sick. And they had a manta ray expo with lots of manta rays. And there was about three or four dying every day because they couldn't get this medication into the manta rays because the, the, the tablet kept dissolving before it went into the stomach. So it dissolved in the water. So they asked me to put that antibiotic into a special capsule that didn't dissolve in water. And as soon as they, they got it in there and swallowed it, it, it saved a lot of the manta rays from, from, from dying. And then they approached me about some dolphins that they had that were eating the seaweed and they were having problems digesting the seaweed. So I had to put a uh, digestive enzyme into a capsule so they can give to the dolphins so they would allow them to better digest the, the seaweed. I think they're the, the most memorable cases that, that, that I've come across.
1: We learned how to do the right thing when something goes wrong in episode 135 when Hayley Smiley from PDL joined the show. When it comes to mitigating the risks that you see day in, day out, what are some of the most probably important steps that a pharmacist can take?
8: Ensuring that you have robust procedures in place for areas of higher risk is of utmost importance. So in the area of dose administration, age packing um, and emerging services such as vaccination and other clinical services that we're providing When you start providing a new service, you need to ensure that you consider any possible risks, review the guidelines and the legislation around providing the service, and have a plan that's communicated to all staff, not just the pharmacists, because it is important for every staff member in the pharmacy to be on on board if an incident or if, if a service is being rolled out across the pharmacy. In those new areas, If an incident happens, it's really important to ensure that it's handled personally and professionally. We often see incidents escalate um, because they haven't been handled well up front and the patient feels like the pharmacist is maybe focused more on providing excuses and explanations rather than simply apologising. So learning from those incidents can be really, really important um, moving forward as well.
1: And finally, in part two of our best of 2023 episodes, we heard from Mark Ustego from Australian Psychological Services about understanding and managing aggressive behaviour in the pharmacy. You've just spoken there about some of the flags with regards to staff interacting with patients and earlier how staff can manage their own stress. But ultimately, it's, it's impossible to avoid all aggressive situations, even if you see those flags and you're, you're pretty self-aware about making sure that you're trying to control your own stress. As such, what are some practical strategies that pharmacy staff can use to de-escalate tense or aggressive situations with customers? So it's happened, we're aware of it, we, we couldn't avoid it, we're in the middle of it. What are some strategies that pharmacy staff can use to, to de-escalate that?
9: I think it comes back to some of that communication competency, if you like, and looking at how we're engaging and communicating with our patients. So the first piece for me is that demonstration of empathy. And there's, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy, right? So, sympathy means feeling sorry for someone, whereas empathy is actually taking that moment to think about what it's like to be in their shoes. So, that demonstration of, of empathy and, and both at the, the cognitive and emotional level and and, and kind of relaying that to the patient can be beneficial. I think there's a, a piece in there around active listening uh, and, and taking the time out to, to hear uh, you know, what the, the complaint may be or the concern or, or the trigger around the aggression. Uh, there's a, a piece in there around acknowledging, you know, what the person's going for or, or going through. And, and then finally, I think there's that piece where if those techniques aren't using to de-escalate, how we might start to, to introduce some more assertive language around the behaviour being inappropriate. And so, you know, things like needs-based requests so, look, I, I need you to slow down so that I can best support you with your request right now or so that I can fill your script or, or whatever the situation may be. And I think, you know, there's a big difference between things like slow down and calm down. So, if I tell you to calm down, don't really tell me to calm down. Who are you telling me to calm down, right? But if I ask you to slow down or can you yell slowly, please, so I can better understand you, have you tried yelling slowly, right? So even the language we're using in those needs based requests can be really important. So having some of those things to, to back us up. And I think the it's recognizing though, we aren't able to deescalate all situations. Someone may be drug affected. Uh, there may be other uh, issues at play. And at the end of the day, for me, it's really about promoting the safety of our staff. And so having that opportunity to to end the interaction and and remove oneself
1: if required. Well, that's a wrap for volume 11 of the Best Bits of the PBCM podcast, which was part two of our two-part look back at 2023. I've been your host, Daniel and It's been a pleasure and fantastic having you join me to revisit some of the amazing stories, experiences, insights and advice from our guests And once again, thank you to everybody who came on the show to make these episodes happen. I know all the listeners are truly grateful that you found some time in your busy schedule to come on the show. The Guild is dedicated to supporting members and the Community Pharmacy Network with tools, resources and information to assist businesses and career growth and improvement. For more information, contact your local Guild branch and visit the Guild website at guild.org.au. I look forward to you joining us in 2024 as we welcome... Many more amazing guests from the community pharmacy and related industries. Until then, you've been listening to episode 138 of the PBCN podcast.
0: The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.